This is episode 16, titled Rotor Blades. This is Robert Monty, and with me I have Michael Shaggy Parker. What's up? Mike Grumpy DePaulo. Yeah. And our special <laughs> guest this episode is Nick Maxwell. Hey. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on tonight, Nick. Ah, no, thanks for having me. I look forward to this. <laughs> yeah, I know we just talk a little bit and uh, we get a little out of hand as the evening gets going. Oh, yes. <laughs> So, the uh, first thing we should cover in an episode is uh, what we did since the last episode. Um, I'll go for it first, then. So, since the last episode, Bob interview. And then after that was the Urch episode. But since the last interview, not much flying. But uh, I did get a, did get my first CGY 760 in stock uh, at my house. And I uh, got that mounted up on the helicopter. Maidened it, actually, just yesterday. Windy day before, uh, before the winter storms coming in this area. Um, after that, it's been uh, I've been paying attention to my college work. I got about nine classes left um, for my bachelor's degree. Ew! Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> uh, DePaulo. Uh, let's see. Since the last time, let's see what do we do. Um, well, let's see, got some 3D printed circuit boards. Those things are pretty cool. And I don't mean parts. I mean like actual circuit boards that the. Uh, Machine at work, we've been doing a lot of testing with it. Uses uh, nanoparticle silver ink and UV mm-hmm. resin, like which you'd stick in your tooth, and that thing's pretty badass. Two hundred fifty thousand dollar boat anchor. <laughs> wow! So, considering we just started looking for any random board to uh, to prototype, I volunteered some random designs that'll test it, and one of those happens to be the microglow. I was gonna say, Nick, you know what that is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm actually yeah. finishing the routing for it right now while we're sitting here. Oh, nice! And then. Uh, Gonna make that cool. using work. Yeah, yeah. We needed some random boards to test, and I'm like, oh, I got some on this hard drive, and like, ah, cool. Something in the machine, make it go, because we didn't really have any other thing. Everything other boards were like these huge, massive things that would take like uh, about 40 hours to print. So hmm. that wasn't gonna happen. Nice. Otherwise, how long, uh, hmm? how long do those take to print? What micro glows? Like eight yeah. hours each, or is that for a group? Each. Oh, ooh. You wouldn't want to use these on a production machine, though, just because uh, Nano Dimension says they are supposed to be good for production down the road. But right now, this is like bleeding edge technology, so they don't want liability. And down the road, it'll it'll definitely be FR4 boards for everything. Otherwise, uh, the stupid plank has been beaten <laughs> up and properly tuned, and uh, the 5.56 got its second round of bearing replacements at Flight 500. There you go. What uh? What bearings did you replace on it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to explain that one. Oh God! Yeah, they were all pretty worn out. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking about it the other day, uh, and uh, after I crashed my my FAA model during that's last year, I remember I ended up replacing a lot of extra bearings while I was there. FAA I was model? FAI. Oh, I was going to say, like, what are you talking about? Okay, clearly I can't hear. 
Your tail shaft should not wobble. The whole boom, it's, it's fine wobbling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How about Nick? What do you got? Um, well, since the last time I've been on the show, that <laughs> since it's my first time, it'd be a pretty long story. <laughs> but recently, uh, things just at Fataba and then uh, got ready for Vegas uh, this last weekend. For yeah, the get ready. There. Casey's going to be there. Oh, good. good. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, none of my stuff is really working all that great. So we're just going to deal with it. And then uh, get ready for Rotor Live. Go to Germany in two weeks for that helicopter competition. So I've been up every night making music and trying to come up with a routine. Nice. There's a subject. There's a subject we could probably spend entirely too much time on. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, making music. I was just about to ask about that. I was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> Save that for another episode. Yeah. <laughs> or or bring in or bring in or bring in the person you uh, you work with uh, often on our on our audio, uh, Shaggy. Mm, yeah, well, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, Shaggy, how about you? All right. Let me get out the list. <laughs> roll down the <laughs> roll down the highway. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna do a bathroom break. Let's see you guys in three hours. <laughs> Uh, well, okay, so I'm just gonna make a short, simple, sweet. Uh, there's a lot on here, but whatever. So, yeah, RCHO, chill out. Uh, Rob and I were the only ones to go, because Mike freaking bailed, but oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the chill out. That was fun. I nearly smashed someone else's model. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> OPP, man. It's more fun uh, than it's ears. Oh, that was so much fun, but it scared the crap out of me. Um, I ejected the battery. I ejected the battery out of the fireball. That was exciting. I scared did bumped I, so i have big bat these bigger batteries that don't fit the canopy doesn't fit on it so I, I i still send it but i told myself not to skid bump it because the velcro strap doesn't hold properly i forgot i skid bumped it i ejected the battery helicopter went up battery stayed down it didn't, it. it didn't break i put the battery back in and i flew it again i love that helicopter i just skid bump it again i skid bumped it again yep but Good it didn't fall out that baby. yeah that was fun uh let's see um uh, I have dabbled back into the planes because thanks to Mike, uh, he let me fly his little extreme flight and that thing's awesome. You know what? This is a no drone zone and that's all those gas planes are is drones because that's what those engines do. Why do you think I fly when I get home from work? Maybe I just want some brain bleach. <laughs> so I can't hear shit. I've been getting some planes going again. I'm still, you know. I I want I'm want to get back in the planes again just just the so I can fly them because I've had them for so long. You don't and send it hover right in your face when you get back. I'm doing it. Hey, the engine runs. I got the engine fixed. It runs now after a long time. It runs. And then the last thing on my list right now is Goblin 500 is going down. I am mad because I want to fly that thing at 3,300 RPM, <laughs> but it doesn't. The gyro doesn't like it. it doesn't like me. I've been having problems with that thing, and I'm just, I'm coming down to the just stripping everything and rebuilding it, and see if it works. If not, throwing the gyro away and putting another one in there. Done. So um, I think it's, I think it's because it's a spectrum problem. That's probably what it is. I need to go to Taba. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. That sounds like a Robert <laughs> thing to say. Because <laughs> uh, that's one of the mo- one of the few models that I don't have Taba in it yet. That's another thing. I still haven't used that Clearly radio. Problem. That, that is my problem. Uh. I have now my competition E7SE ready to go, gyro set, Fotaba's in there, ready for a warm day to Maiden with the new with the new, everything new on that. 
So I'm excited to try that out. Uh, Logo 600SX is, I socoed the heli yesterday and I just got to program the ESC and that's got a photo in it and that's programmed and just about ready to go. Uh, second E7SC is, I'm waiting for a few parts for that and then I can set up the gyro. It's lying, it's lying across my bed <laughs> in bits. <laughs> oh, it ain't. Uh, no, More I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, DePaulo is the only one confirmed who's got pictures of his heli laid out on his bed. But that's everything that I've got so far. Just ready for warmer weather so I can start flying some planes and helis and practicing for competition because I am really, really ready to actually try to practice some advanced, the, the advanced setup or the advanced maneuvers. Maneuvers, yes, the advanced maneuvers. Uh, Rob's been kind of giving me some tips on certain practice techniques, and I am on the sim practicing those, and I am now determined to destroy Unger. I'm coming for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to weep. Yes. Damn. Slim in the ground. No. <laughs> I want him to weep. I want Nats to end it. He just weeps. Spend that whole time in his trailer in the air conditioning crying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was fun. That was fun, and that determined me to, to try harder. That was that was a fun, fun ba- uh, match, battle, whatever you want to call it. Wait, wait till you show up for a year, Shaggy, and you have practiced, and your machines are dialed and ready, and you actually like beat people and do better yourself. And you get a win, or you get you get like second, or someone comes in and you'd be like, "Oh my god, this is great! I got to work even harder now." <laughs> or I just blame the wind and the rain. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> I swear, I was the only one that had the hurricane force wind just come out of nowhere. Only one. Damn, you're more of a planker than I thought I could ever be. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I blame his parents. Yeah, bad yeah. parenting, man, for sure. But I am the only one to fly with a 420. You know, you're a heli guy when you're like, 20 miles an hour, I'm flying a plane, f*** it. <laughs> so, I don't care. Oh, okay. tight. I'm following you. Oh, that's what we do at the other field. It just gets yeah, windy thanks. and we just we just uh, fly a kite. And then at some point you get bored of the kite and you stick it, you stick the uh, the post in the ground and let, it, and let it fly itself. All right, what's next? Main topic. <laughs> Let's get this started. For this episode, we wanted to discuss rotor blades and the various aspects that control what we feel flying our helis. A uh, big takeaway we we're aiming for the listeners is how to evaluate your rotor blades and what you like in them. Or why that blade sucks and you should care about it. <laughs> and then just slap a 2x4 on it and call it a day. some cases, you'd be right. <laughs> Well, if you want to, if you want to slap a two by four on it, we can go talk to Bob and he can tell us all about building wooden rotor blades again. Oh yeah, I've monocoded my own set with my very first helicopter. I'm sorry to have learned that. <laughs> Shaggy, I'm sorry. You're old as. F- no, 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 no. It's actually the Blade 300X that had wood blades on it. I quit. I quit. I quit. I quit. I can't work in these conditions. <laughs> Okay, first up is um, how to evaluate a rotor blade. So items we have here is, uh, you know, use common flying and uh, hovering maneuvers you're well-versed in. Um, I know, for example, um, 
DePaulo, you have certain maneuvers you do often, so you'll take a rotor blade and go go do those. Uh, I know, like myself, I'd go take a rotor blade and go do, um, you know, uh, when I was flying a when I'm flying AMA classes, I go fly, you know, the uh, an AMA uh, sequence and see how that felt, or um, or I go out and do, you know, some of my 3D stuff and see how it feels. Or my next favorite item that all my friends want to beat me at this year is auto rotations. Oh yes, I love doing that. Yep. Especially when you realize your blade can't hold the head speed and it just drops. <laughs> it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna float it at the end. Nope. Nope. Nope, that's not a floaty blade. Um another thing to in evaluating rotor blades is the build characteristics. Uh another item is the air foil, the profile. Uh so you'll see this described sometimes as NACA profiles. Uh, another item is the overall weight of the rotor blade um, depending upon what you like to do when you're flying you may find that uh, you uh, like heavy rotor blades or you like light rotor blades or some days you know you feel like this so you choose a you choose a blade based on its weight how the weight is distributed so two items I have here is uh, span wise CG and cord wise CG uh, Spanwise. Spanwise is from the bolt hole out to the tip. Cordwise is from the leading edge to the trailing edge. That's a that's a big one for all different types of flying. Sure. Yep. Oh yeah. Like uh, I mean, you know, for for example, speed flying, you want some heavy weight on the tip of the blade for speed flying to keep it stable at that crazy RPM that you're flying at. I, yeah, for me, I, I've been looking from the outside in on speed. Uh, I know that a lot of, I know a few folks are flying the rail F3C blades, and I flew them for FAI stuff, um, and they were definitely heavy. I'd, uh, I think my heaviest set was 242 grams of blade. Woo, Woo that's <laughs> up there. My lightest set was was 232 grams of blade. Um, they were fun for autos. Um, to the cordwise CG, you know, uh, to the items I've written here, um, if the weight is too far forward, the blade will become too stable. And if the weight is too far back in the cordwise orientation, the, um, it will become unstable or too unstable. Good, good reference is fly bar and fly barless blades. Yeah. Uh, I know. Um, I mean, I think every one of us have done it is mounted a set of fly bar blades on a fly barless helicopter and go, wow, this thing gets off center pretty quick. Yep. <laughs> so one thing to keep in mind with overall weight is that that really means nothing. Um, because it depends on where the weight is at. Okay. Um, you can have a 280 gram blade that's faster than a 160 gram blade. Oh, you know, that can make sense, yes. I, I actually, um, I got to experience that recently, Nick. Uh, I got to fly a set of spin blades. Yeah, they're 220 grams. Yeah. But yeah. super uh, unstable CG, I guess, huh? Uh, yeah, well, cord-wise, cord they're pretty CG. But span-wise, so span-wise, a lot of time sets, it's basically rotational mass. Right. So if you think about, if say you've got a top, and you make you put all your lead in the top in the center, it's not going to be overly stable. Um, but if you put yeah. all the lead, the same amount of lead, it can weigh the exact same. If you put it at the tip, uh, all of a sudden you've got this top that just sits there perfectly stable. Makes sense. 
So like with the spins, what they've done is the, the cord Y CG is actually pretty stable. It's pretty far forward. Um, but the weight has moved in significantly. So the span Y CG is in pretty far. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I flew them and I was, I was, um, I was surprised how well they, they, one, they kept the energy and two, how quiet they were. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's quiet is, is a lot that has to do with cord Y CG, whether they're leading or lagging. Okay. Um, a real barky blade, like if you're doing high speed rolls or something. Yeah. Um, like a, a low murmur it, or not, not barky, but like a, like a, a throaty kind of sound is usually a, a leading, leading edge, heavy and tip heavy blade um, because the blade is trailing. Um, and then a leading blade um, where with its trailing edge heavy uh, is going to be real farty and fluttery. Wow. Okay. Yeah, because one thing, Nick, I've been trying to get my mind around that hasn't hasn't <laughs> I haven't gotten enough information to really fix it is I really enjoy flying night blades, six nine six night blades with the battery. They're two hundred and thirty grams, but the battery's very very close to center, mm-hmm. and um, I enjoy them despite their weight. And I just I I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So that that is another. So that that kind of divulges into a whole other thing. The battery is so far close to the root. Yep. Um, it's unspun weight. So it doesn't really affect span. It's not going to really affect span YCG. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I know without the battery, my blades weigh about 200 grams. So I enjoy them. I enjoy them at night. I'll do aerobatic autos with them and, and everything. Whereas daytime 716, 716 blades, I can scare myself easily with them. If I, if I get a little aggressive in an aerobatic auto. Yeah. Yeah. Some and and that greatly affects the the overall the that's where the overall weight really doesn't matter either because you could have a two hundred twenty gram blade if the weight is all near the root it's unspun weight so yeah. it doesn't actually give any rotational mass and that's all uh, I see this is lower down in the notes but like in an auto um, hang time is all relative to rotational mass so, okay. yeah I've seen that like I had a couple old old uh, older L blades that had the weights way out front. Mm-hmm. Way out to the edges, and they have tons of float. Mm-hmm. And then you go get something like Mavericks, the old Mavericks. It had all the weight way towards the center, and they were just like to begin with. And yeah, you don't get any time to mess around. Yeah, yep. they spin up quick though. Real yes. low rotational inertia. Yeah, and that is the other benefit is if you have a lot of unspun weight like near the center, they will spin up in an auto well, but they just have no hang time. Kind of like a re- the, the Helix. I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah, the helix blades, you can blade stop them three or four times on the way down and they'll spool up real fast like you turned on your motor. I miss but my V-blades so much. Then you go to hang them and yeah. there's no hang time. Yeah, well, you know, I've I've actually, I mean, I've got, I finally got a set of the 715s and they don't hang as good as some other blades I have, but it's surprising. I was surprised of how much they can hang compared to some other blades that are heavier they don't, it, it seems to be the same as some other blades that you would think, okay, so what's a good example? You know, a good a set of seven, uh, 715 switch blades or 713 switch blades, they auto or they hang probably a little bit better, if, in my opinion. You know, the edge blades just seem to just kind of bleed down the head speed all at once when you try to feather it, when you try to flare it. Yes. When you try to flare it, it just seems to bleed it all down. But the Helix, despite them being light, you'd think it wouldn't hold as much, but 
they held a lot better. Yeah. I was surprised about that. I expected them to the, the, the die quick because they're light, but they actually lasted longer than edge blades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's one big advantage, um, you know, in build characteristic is where, where can you put the weight to make them aerodynamically stable, uh, but still lightweight. And so the further my, uh, my goal with every blade is to find generally speaking, the lightest set for the most stable CG. Um, no matter, no matter what, yeah, no matter what you're flying, um, whether it be like, I'll, I'll be entirely honest with you back when I was flying Radix a lot, um, Curtis used to laugh, but I would go through and I would weigh, I had figured out including the box and the packaging, what, how much the blades weighed by weighing the box. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I would go through the warehouse and weigh and pick out the ones that I wanted. Um, but especially with blades like, okay, I'll just, I mean, not, this isn't a bad thing, but a funky made blade, which is most of the ones out there. Yep. Um, a lighter blade will be more stable than their heavier blade. The reason why is because they don't change the amount of weight per those sets of blades. So it's resin weight. There's more surface area behind the bolt hole. So if the blades are heavier, it's pure resin weight, uh, which means that they're going to be trailing edge heavy. So actually your heavier sets of of funky made blade will be less stable than, say, a lighter set of blades. Huh. This is uh, starting to make sense for you, Robert. Well, I've always been horny for all the light blades that I can harass Matt for. Yeah, <laughs> but we we it's it's hard to get Matt to weigh all his blades. <laughs> yeah, I, I gotta harass Cherry. I got lucky. I got a couple sets that were like right at around 138 grams, lightest rail 600s I've been able to get my hands on. But 600, damn, yep, 600s. So when you and one thing I think I want to make clear, uh, Nick, is when you talk about uh, area behind the bolt, you're talking about basically the the and the cord wise CG. It's just resin weight that's behind that bolt hole along the span wise, correct? Yeah. So so the the carbon, you know, they use like prepaid carbon or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know the the resin weight that's in the carbon when they saturate that um, changes from batch to batch, and so that's where the differences in weight are. Uh, it could also be paint, paint and Joko. Um, yep. And generally speaking, since the bolt hole is your point of where you're going to hang the blade from, or where you're going to where the blade is slinging from. Yeah. Uh, there is more surface area behind the bolt hole, so if you're adding just raw weight to the material, it's going to make them trailing edge heavy compared to a light set or less resin weight set. You're not changing any any characteristics of the blade. You're just adding weight to it to where it doesn't matter. Well, what you're what you're changing is you're changing the the ex, you're changing directly cordwise CG. So if you're okay. leaving okay. if you're leaving if you're leaving the lead amount the same, say you have a, a 200 gram set and a 180 gram set, um, but the amount of lead is exactly the same. The amount of safety wire is the exact same. And the amount of yeah, and the amount of phenolic or whatever's in the root. I don't know what they put in there. Um, if that's all the same. Than if the paint and gel coat and resin. That means they keep placing the weight in the same place, no matter how much how much uh, uh, epoxy or uh, resin they put into it. Yeah, yeah. So how they do that is they they build thousands of blades or hundreds of blades, uh, and they build them all the same. So like you don't, they're not built as a pair. Um, and then yep. there's these so they big. Just, they just bend them. Yeah, yeah, and then they go by weight and stuff. So, you know, you end up with a, a set of blades that's a good set of blades and balanced. 
Um, and of course the finish is always really good on funky stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> but no complaints on funky blades, but got plenty of them in my, in, in my, uh, in my ownership. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But got, yeah, no, a little hint for funky owners is if you get two sets of blades, go for the lighter one. Cause it's actually going to be more stable. Hmm. Okay. That's good to know. Interesting. That's actually really good to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay. Now I'm going to go home and start weighing my blades. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Now, now, this, now that's where it gets complicated, though. If you go and you weigh a set of rails versus a set of radics, they're just two completely different rotor blades. Of course, so it yeah. won't mean much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I know. Um, sadly, Nick, I do have a spreadsheet of rotor blade info. Yep. And I have weighed several sets of rails and several sets of Curtis blades and others. And um, I've, I've got a sickness. Um, <laughs> yeah. My name is Rob and I've got an illness. <laughs> um, I think we all do. Usually I use it more for disc loading numbers than I do to compare the individual blades themselves. Cause, um, as you get more into some of the things that you see, you see in our notes here, Nick, about like flying characteristics, um, to, to judge the blade versus just the weight alone is, uh, I would say it's challenging for me to be able to get a, a light set of blades. You just kind of, I kind of look into it when they show up on my doorstep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, we didn't go through blade characteristics, did we? I mean, it all, um, it all's relative. So, and, and that's one thing too, is that you can't judge. You can't really, it's kind of, I mean, I, I kind of laugh at this. I see guys, you know, at the flying field or I see other top guys, they'll take a set of blades out and they'll, Oh, I've never seen these before. And they instantly start flexing them and trying to like hang them from their fingers and all that other stuff. Um, depending on the airfoil, the blade tip, the, the width of the blade, where the bolt hole is, uh, none of that really means anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, so all these guys that look so technical, they're flexing the blades like, oh yeah, this this is the right type of blade right here. They ain't doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> it just means that that possibly a design characteristic is similar to another one, um, but depending on, like, I mean, I'll be entirely honest with you, the helix, um, the flexible ones fly significantly better, but though on a different design, a flexible blade might not fly well. Um, that mostly depends on the tip. Um, regardless of torsional stiffness, even if span wise, if they're flexible, if the tip is unstable, um, a soft, flexible span wise blade won't work. That will only work if the tip is, you know, if the tip isn't fluttering. Oh, okay. Okay. And the tip, yeah, it could be torsional stiffness causing the tip, the, the tip to flutter, but most of the time it's efficiency. Hmm. More or less cavitation. Now is that is that to do with the uh, the way the the tip is um you know the profile of the tip of of the blade or is that just the way it's designed like the way it's you know the inner the, the way it's physically designed and not so much the um the airflow profile of the tip uh both um so it has to do with the shape but it also has to do with with when the bleed the blade is lead and lagging okay. um, no rotor blade is neutral all the time it's always constantly leading and lagging. Um, when you lead and leg, you change the chip shape. So depending on, uh, so it really just depends on, you know, where the blade is naturally flying. Um, so if you have a blade, say with a really aggressive tip or like a blunt tip, but the blade is always leading a little bit, 
it would actually be doing the the air would be coming off the end of the tip the exact same as a swept tip that flies neutral flies more neutral just not leading as much okay does that make sense mm-hmm. yes yeah that so must be incredibly hard to control for that much to to make sure a, a blade leads leads all the time or leads slightly most of the time that must be incredibly hard to control well it's just it's based off rpm so that's where your governor comes in so if you find an rpm and, and this was always a struggle i have or still have with a with a glow helicopter is you have an rpm where the blades fly good but then you have an rpm where the motor runs good oh, <laughs> oh okay <laughs> that that was always um a problem you know, because then that's you'd have to change the gear ratio to get the engine to run at the RPM it wanted to run. Wow! Well, I didn't even think about that at all. That's actually really impressive. So, I guess that brings up another question, Nick: Is how do you determine what RPM a rotor blade likes? Hmm. Uh, just by feel, feel and sound. Okay, um, I'll be entirely honest with you. Those spin blades. I, I've been flying the spins too. I really like the new ones that he came out with the ones before this last version. Uh, yeah, they were almost unflyable. Um, and Are you talking about the explodey versions. <laughs> yeah, those I didn't, um, I wouldn't, I, I did not particularly like those. And, and Mark knows that I'm good friends with Mark. Um, uh, the Wait, latest I, ones fly incredible. I didn't know they were still making them. Yeah. They've got, oh, I want to try one. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a whole different process. He's not making them anywhere near the same as what he used to. Um, and they're really good now. They have safety wire, too. They have safety wire. <laughs> so, Woo! Breaking news. There we go. We got some news. They fly really good. But I will tell you right now, those blades do not fly well at low RPM. But when you spin them at 2200, they fly great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Augie, 2700 on your Monstro, you're good. <laughs> yeah. That was insane. That's interesting because, Nick, our mutual friend enjoys lower head speeds and he flies those. Oh, Ben? Yeah, yep. well, they, they fly good. Don't get me wrong. They fly better sure. than most of the stuff out there. Um, but if you hear them, they actually are quieter at a higher head speed than they are at lower head speed. Ooh. That was that was what I found interesting with them is when I got aggressive with them is they, they were quiet. And I was like, that's I, that's unexpected because I, <laughs> I, um, I flew them on his heli and then I flew them on my heli. And I was I – was, I was taken back. I was like, they're quiet. Yep. Yep. And they autoed. Uh, I didn't find any crazy characteristics about how they autoed. Um, I, I guess the only thing I, I, I was being a little careful with them because I think his are 720 millimeters. And I Ooh. don't run. Send it. <laughs> boom strike. Uh, you know, I don't think it boom strike. I think it'd probably clip a tail. Uh, a tail rotor, blade. Yeah. Tail blade. Dude, I did that so many times when I had the DFC 600, uh, TRX 600 DFC. You go like a millimeter past 600 millimeters and you just, oh my gosh, every time. Yeah, those are gone. Yeah, Great helicopter, but that that right there is the reason, one of the reasons why I got rid of it. It's just, nope, there's another 30 bucks. Yeah, you don't crash, but you take out your tail blades and your main blades. You land and go, oh, dang it. And the models in one piece be like, I need a complete new set of blades. <laughs> yeah. And then when it finally exploded, it's like, I'm done. It exploded in midair. And I actually had a shitty blade experience the other day. I went and flew out in front of Chris's house after putting new bearings and everything. 
Yep. I, I threw down pretty hard. Chris was like, what the fuck? You're going you're gonna to get us killed. I'm like, nah, man, it's good. Do it for Dale. <laughs> and I finished the thing off with an inverted auto over speed where you kind of hang it on the deck and roll it over at the last minute. And it looks cool as shit and it sounds cool. Yep. And then right as it touched down, I heard a tick. What? Like goddamn piece of gravel chip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After I all did- of that, and I saw a little bastard skitter across the drive, and I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> you know, I did that. Old. I did that on my fireball with brand new carbon fiber Shut rotor up, tech it's tail a fireball. Blades. The whole thing. Yes, but they were brand bus. new tail rotor blades, the carbon fireball. tail rotors. <laughs> Second I'm sorry, place I'm on sorry video. I put a ding in your 1995 Honda Civic. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. But they were brand new. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, I've been playing plastic. Yeah, man, like you, plastic you can, can... There's those brand new AutoZone plastic hubcaps with spinners. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Mike. Okay, they still cost money. Uh, I think this is where we start getting Nick into into things that um, uh, pilots who don't have a wall full of awards can do. <laughs> well, and so that's actually that's a good thing, like that you bring up. Um, I think the biggest problem with blades is a lot of times guys will try to the different blades and they're just like, well, I don't like those, but they can't really verbalize what they don't like. Yeah. So if, yeah. You, have a, if you have a good test re- regime, you know, you can kind of figure out. Yeah. I was, I, I, that, that reminds me this last summer I was flying with Ben and I made a blade change and I switched over to Curtis blades and mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the end of the expert sequence has an auto and I autoed the blades, and I landed, and I and I was like, I, I can't, I can't auto those blades. And and Ben's like, those blades are perfect. And I was like, no, there, there, there's nothing wrong with a the blade. They're just not me. I can't auto those blades. And where you get into that can't verbalize it is, it was weird. I I I couldn't manage the energy on the way down very well to do you know just a standard 180 auto with them, and a. a and so it was, I, I just didn't enjoy them. I wanted a little more hang time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I found with them. I was like, they're perfectly good blades. I enjoy them, but I don't enjoy them for that auto. Um, something tells me if I had more time, I'd probably practice with them more and be fine with them. But yeah, back to back, wasn't excited. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're doing something weird with the gyro. Usually a lot of times blades, you just get used to it. If you do it enough, you just adapt. Yeah, I I know I was up in Jersey flying with uh, the younger McToon, and uh, I was playing around with Helix Blades, and I actually did a floater with a set of 715s, and they, damn, your blade stopped. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> I was way far away, um, as pretty much everything I fly does. And uh, I had bailed it out and flew it back and hit throttle. I was like, yeah, um, that was scary. They're fun for aerobatic autos because they spool up quickly, but for floaters, I'm not my man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, whereas I'll hear others, I'll hear others like Ben, like, "No way, nope, not for autos." And I think they have what they like in autos. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think some of the other characteristics we were talking about uh, we had here is uh, stopping power, um, how quick they uh, flip or roll, come off center. Uh, tracking, loading, um, of course, auto rotation is an item I have here. Um, 
What do you, what did you think are some good maneuvers to, to, to check stopping power, Nick? Um, well, anything that, that is not going to make the engine or the electric motor, uh, deteriorate from the blade because if the rotor head changes rpm naturally they're not going to stop correctly Mm, okay so when you use your test maneuvers you need to take all the variables out and one of those is head speed yeah you want the head speed to always be the same so when you load them when when you load up the blade in terms of like high pitch angles uh you want to do it in a manner that doesn't load the engine that'll give you a a good idea of how well they actually stop or not. That almost makes me think about like a wall. Yeah. If you, if you enter something loaded, well, surprise, they're not going to stop. Well, (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) smack. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. If you enter in at 1450, they're not going to stop good. Um, (laughs) So I think that's kind of a, you need to, in part of your test regime, it's something that you can consistently do. It's one of those one in a million maneuvers. Um, It's probably not the best one. No, I don't think it's a good one, but it's a maneuver that comes to mind. Yeah. And generally speaking, um, same thing. I kind of, when you pick up a set of blades in the first flight and you're like, oh, uh, all of a sudden I can do this maneuver. It's probably not the blades. You're probably just having a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like if, if you think that there's one set of rotor blades that you can do a pyro flip with and another set that you can't uh most likely that's a mental block fair enough you're just excited maybe people are staring you down i hear you yeah (laughs) you want to choose stuff that you know that you can confidently do day in and day out so that way the variable of the mind game isn't part of the variable yeah okay one thing i think too is there's two different types of pilots there's the sport pilot um, and then a competition pilot and a competition pilot. I think if your goal is to compete or like if F3C or 3D or F3N, uh, you tend to want to choose a rotor blade that does not feel good to you. But what, what does things that you're not good at, um, which I know that kind of counteracts the thing I just talked about pyro flips. But for example, I'm really not good at, at uh, smack. So I always fly rotor blades that are very smacky, um, which is opposite of what you would think because I tend to fly big and fast. But the reality of it is I'm good at big and fast in terms of mental skill. Yeah. Um, so if you give me a rotor blade that does big and fast good but can't smack, uh, I really won't be able to smack. <laughs> yeah, you stick in your wheelhouse of big and fast and, and avoid it. Yeah, exactly. So um, I you try to use your strengths to – so, for example, for F3C, I always choose rotor blades that hover well because that's my weakness. Okay. Um, my F3C machines probably don't do aerobatics very good at all, but that's my strength, so I can fly through that. Um, whereas a sport pilot, you tend to choose blades that, that tends to give you a good feeling because you're that's that's what you're getting out of it. So, for example, you know, I have one of the Diablo ULs. Um, on that helicopter, I've got uh, DH blades. Just because those blades, that helicopter to me, I'm not trying to accomplish anything. So that's about just making me feel good and having fun out of the flying field. So I put those blades on there because they're track good. They, you know, they they have the characteristics that I like. But then on the competition helicopters, I'll fly a rotor blade that I don't particularly like its strengths 
just I use it to help me. Hmm. So I think that kind of depends on what your goal is and in, in choosing blades. A lot of top guys, you know, that's that's kind of the difference between some of the very top guys and and some of the ones that are coming up in the competing side of things. If your intention is to compete, you need to choose your weaknesses and set your helicopter up and choose your rotor blade off your weaknesses. So that way you can kind of level yourself out a little bit. That makes, it makes, um, it actually makes really good sense. I mean, if, you know, if you can play, if you, if your strengths, you, you have the strengths to get through something, then have something help you in your weaker areas. Yeah. Um, that definitely makes sense. I, I guess that really gets in a conversation of how you determine, you know, uh, the, you know, hovering maybe your weakness that you could use a rotor blade could help you on or, yep. um, the, you know, uh, you know, cause I, I, I would, I would agree. I, I like using tons of space. I'm not a tight smack guy. So I, I, I would say I'm kind of the same in that manner, but <laughs> not, <laughs> um, yep. And so, you know, I, yeah, a lot of my blades go for big air more. Um, hmm. I guess I'd have to, I'd have to like the Helix blades. I'd say they're kind of a smack blade for me. And uh, would you say, would you agree with that? Yeah, they were, they grooved well. Um, that was the biggest thing with that was just finding so something that could smack, but could also groove, but not necessarily feel amazing at high speed. Um, yeah. And the truth of the matter is they don't feel amazing at high speed. If you get them hauling ass, they're stable, um, but they're not linear at that point anymore. Where for me in smack, you know, I wanted really consistent flip and roll rates. So they're good at that. Yeah. Which makes sense. I could have Monty used to, no, I used to love the hell out of uh, the 600 B blades just because they were so, so twitchy and you could smack them so well, but goddamn, if you got them moving really quick, they were twitchy as hell. Yeah. Oh my God. They were twitchy. You had to be on point with your gyro at that point. But man, did they smack well on a nitro. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason why is because the airfoil, the airfoil is real thick. It's draggy. Oh, yeah. So, and those so things, blades those that are draggy smack well. Blades that are efficient and, and real, you know, like slippery blades, uh, they're not going to smack well. That's that's what the reason why the, the spin blade smacks so well. They got that big, thick airfoil. You got to think of it like a fun flyer plane. Um, you know, a 3D fun flyer plane has got that huge, oh, thick yeah. airfoil fat wing with huge surfaces yep and then a pylon racer's got that real thin wing so obviously at high speed the pylon racer is going to do good but then when it comes time to land you got a lot landed at mach 5 so (laughs) right no offense yeah that does actually make a lot of sense hmm then uh, what about what about loading and uh, what about engine loading how how would you how would you usually characterize a a a a rotor blade loads your engine up too much or yeah, how would you usually characterize that? Uh, a lot of that has to do with the this cord YCG, whether it's leading or lagging. Okay. A, a lagging blade is going to need more power. A leading blade is is not going to need as much power. Um, because obviously a lagging blade, if the blade is lagging, as you increase the incidence, the pressure is on the bottom of the blade. So it's always trying to deep pitch the blade. Mm. So to make it more aggressive, you have to put more incidence in. So you're going to load the motor more. If you have a leading edge, if you've got a leading blade, um, the air, it's going to bite on the leading edge and actually try to increase the pitch. Okay. So basically, uh, that that's also why, so like a leading edge, uh, a, a leading, a blade that's got more lead to it um, is going to stop harder because you've got basically the leverage pressures on the leading edge of the blade instead of the trailing edge. Wow. That makes sense. You don't get negative feedback from adding pitch. Yeah. 
that's why they're porpoisey as well because if you're flying along uh yeah they're dynamically unstable yep so you know one thing i hear things talk about nick is is tracking of rotor blades when it comes to big air stuff and Mm -hmm. i hear things like hands off in a straight line uh porpoising um or it may tuck but you know the the crazy thing is is if a heli's porpoising, sometimes I'm looking at the gyro as if as if something's not set up right on elevator, and I don't know. I don't usually take my hands off the controls <laughs> to to see if it holds it. I, I mean, am I completely wrong, or am I misunderstanding tracking, or you know, what ways do you go about tracking to see if a, hel- a rotor blade deals well with big air or just you know fast forward flight? Unfortunately, that is one of the major problems is gyros have gotten so good these days. The gyro is going to either mask some of the rotor blade stuff or when it does go wrong, it just goes really wrong and then bites. <laughs> or something. Really wrong. It tries to cover it up. Yeah. Um, the, the best thing and, and the biggest and, and some of the different gyros based off their elevator compensations, what's going to happen is the worse the gyro, the more stable of blade is going to fly better. The better the gyro, wow. the more you're going to be able to fly an unstable blade and make it work. I actually can change blades on my – if the gyro is really – if the helicopter set up properly, I can change blades, and I can't feel a difference on the cycling. I can only feel a difference on the collective. Hmm. I've um, seen this with the electric – the E5 is a bit like that. As mm-hmm. long as it's not like a super, super different blade, Yeah. Collective, you notice it though for sure. But cyclic, you know, if it's got the power behind yeah. it, the E5, if I go between V blades and rails, it's like, okay, yeah, they're pretty much the same on roll. But then you put them on the poor nitro, and it's like, okay, I don't like these anymore. If you say you put a set of blades on and you move the stick a quarter, quarter of the stick travel, it's going to put as much pitch as it needs to get that. It's, yeah, it's just going to get there. And once it gets there, it's going to stabilize there. So if you have an unstable set of blades, you're not going to actually notice the cyclic is any faster. Um, the only way that you'll okay. ever notice it is if the gyro is set up incorrectly um, where it's accelerating or it allows it to accelerate. Hmm. Which in the 760, okay. that's the control authority. So if, say, you've got a really slow set of blades and you bump it up to like 80, um, and then you take and put a fast, a really aggressive set of blades on, yeah, it's going to accelerate past the point. That's not, you're really not going to, it's like, oh, these blades are fast. You're really not going to feel the difference in cycling. You shouldn't. If so, that means the gyro is not holding right correctly. Hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that, that brings up another, you know, not really on topic in there, but how much, how much do you, you know, like I've, I've heard, I've heard two different ways of going about this. One is, you know, mount on a set of blades, go fly it. And if you like the way they feel, go for it. Don't touch your gyro settings. And then I've heard another one says, Go fly them and touch every gyro setting needed in order to, in order to eke out the performance from the blade. Thoughts? I'm the second way. I think if you absolute, if you just like change them without changing the gyro, yeah, yeah, you're not really doing anything. You're leaving stuff on. You're, you're leaving something on the table. Yeah, that's like putting a bigger turbo in your car or something and not changing the, the boost. boost. Yeah. <laughs> um. Or, or for anything, for that matter. Because, yeah, you, you definitely have to tune it to... I mean, it, that's even the same from blade to blade. So, like, you know, even if I get a set of... Um, right now, flying the spins, if they're 10 grams different, 
Um, and we know that that's resin weight, so that means the CG is different. The general tune, the gain is going to be different. The, that's where it's it's a little bit of black magic. <laughs> You've been playing a lot in here, Nick. The one thing, even with good gyros and stuff, uh, if you notice that when you do real fast inputs, if the gyro gets upset, then usually that's that's tends to mean a too unstable blade. Same thing if you move the collective fast. You know, if say you move the collective fast, um, you'll notice the slower you move the inputs, the helicopter flies really good. When you do a fast input, regardless of the gain um, or the setup, if you can't ever get the, the helicopter to quit bobbling or pulling its nose up or pushing its nose down or something like that, usually that's just a sign that the blades have reached the point where they're a little too unstable. Hmm. Okay. What do you mean? Uh, that, yeah, it does make a lot of sense. What do you mean in that first part by the gyro upset? What would, what would you say is an upset gyro? Um, interaction. So say, say you do a roll and you notice the elevators like constantly oscillating or constantly trying to find, hunt, Wobbling, to to find hunting. Hunt. Yeah. Sometimes that can mean the precompensations off. Um, so if you adjust that and that comes back to your question of adjusting it, yeah. um, if you adjust that and no matter what you do, you can't tune it out, then that usually means that the blade is just too unstable. Um, and that's where you kind of reach. So I guess it's more like when you get to the thresholds of those, um, you can tell the difference. But in between, there's that medium point where you really can't. It is The gyros are so good at this point, it's hard to really tell. Yeah. Okay. Um, one thing that you do have to think about is, so for example, a faster blade or a more aggressive blade, um, you can usually, you can do two of two, usually requires less gain because for the amount of movement for an angle or, or an amount of error, um, you need less movement to correct it because a more aggressive blade is going to need less incidence to make the same amount of rotation. Mm-hmm. Or a heavy, very, very stable heavy blade will, will take a really high gain. Um, so you kind of have to, and unfortunately that's where it comes in. If you get the gain too low, if you're having, if you're noticing that you're having to pull the gain back a lot, the blade might have finally reached that threshold of being too unstable. Um, or if you're, if you've got the gain at 150 and it still feels mushy and okay, the blade's too stable then. Yeah. I think that that brings in that area, Nick, where really good gyros can mask, mask a lot about a rotor blade, but yeah, to your point, you're, you know, at some point you, you're, you can get into to extremes where it's like, eh, this rotor blade may not be fitting for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the biggest one usually is if you've got like 12 degrees of cyclic, 12 degrees of overhead cyclic in it or something like that. And the gains at 150 and it still like wants to, it still feels mushy or something. At that point, what you're running into is that the blade is reacting so slow that no matter what the gain is, it's, it's not, not getting there. Yeah, it's not throwing enough to make the correction faster. Um, or with an aggressive blade, as you pull the gain down, you start to lose that holding power. Um, so it's kind of like that. It's like black magic just to kind of figure out the, all this combination. and. 
And that's where one combination might work great with one blade. One might work. And usually that's where you see the different top guys like Kyle Dahl. You know, his setup is completely different than mine, but visually his looks incredible. Yes. Um, yeah. If you handed the same exact setup to me, I might not be able to make it work. Yeah. Um, or he can. That makes sense. What are some things you look for in a blade in an auto rotation, Nick? Uh, for me, I like airbag autos and I screw up a lot. So I like rotor blades that spool back up quick. Light. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. I don't care so much about the hang time because I figure by the time you get that low, you're done anyway. You're, you're wanting to land. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> time to plop it on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, Rob's been pushing me a lot when it comes to aerobatic uh, autos. I know I can do it. It just scares me. Uh, I haven't done the inverteds yet, but... Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, that's my goal this year, but you know, he's been he's been kind of like you know yelling at me to do do some rolls and loops and flips, and that that is a lot of fun. Uh, knowing that I didn't have bailout set at the time, I still managed to do it, which was awesome. But yeah, just just getting to the uh, and I was flying heavy blades, so that really really was scaring me. But uh, I, I probably should try with the helix blades and see how that how that works. Cause those are the lightest blades I own. For my 700. Uh-huh. Those, those uh, pull up quick. Those pull up quick. Also be the last time you own them if you don't spool them up. <laughs> oh, gosh. And they're hard to get, too. Actually, dude, fun story. The V-Blades I've had for... How long has it been? Five years, Robert? Yeah. Probably. So. Dude, the, the trailing edge that? started delaminating on me. Oh. I had to retire them. You did I, heard a weird, I had a weird flutter and I landed and I ran my fingernail and the, the, the trailing edge was starting to come apart. Oh, dude, just, just put some epoxy on that and send it until it explodes. Uh, I like my you, helicopters, Shaggy. I take pride in going a thousand fights. Yeah, okay, I don't know, so, man. They're, they are crusty, though. That many flights? Who knows what will happen at this point? Yeah. You're talking over the top of each other. What were you saying, Nick? Oh, I was saying just CAM. If it's just a trailing edge, see it. Send it. Send it. If it's like at the if it's the root, I wouldn't do it. But if it's the trailing edge, it's probably okay. Yeah. It's like the whole trailing edge. <laughs> well, do you I'm have surprised. a whole CA? <laughs> <I'm> surprised, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Planker mode of the whole bottle. Hey, just use some uh forty seventy. Forty seven day. Loctite. Dude, I use that crap on airplanes all the time now. It's amazing. I still have like 10 bottles. Oh, yeah. I wonder if Nick knows about 4070. Yeah, Nick. You know about it? Uh, no. Loctite 4070 is a hybrid. It is CA and epoxy. It cures like CA, but it has a strength of epoxy. Oh, where do you get this stuff? It's Loctite. Oh yeah, wow. Digi-K, Mastercar, Allspec, any of those places. Allspec's got the best price on it right now. It can pull a freight train. It's basically CA with uh, with meth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. that sounds like my stuff is all held together with JB Weld. So it's basically JB Weld, but better. But and so um, so they glued two hockey pucks together and uh, they put a three eighths fastener between the two of them, big three eighths bolt. Uh-huh. And they got up to about 15,000 pounds of tensile strength, and the bolt snapped. The hockey pucks are still together. Wow, I gotta buy some of this. I assembled I assembled a, a boom support with it. 
Uh-huh. And uh, within five minutes of time, I, I put two drivers through each end, went upstairs, told the wife to grab one end, me the other. Foot to foot, lean back. We were holding each other five minutes in. That thing ain't coming apart. Ever. Wow. And what's funny is at the Loctite wedding, and I wedding, <laughs> they were handing them things out like candy. So you got like a crap load of that stuff. I, I grabbed a whole box of that shit. Because the thing is, half the people, you know what? The half the people at the wedding they had no idea what the hell Loctite was. So all the heli guys were just grabbing the stuff. You could tell when they realized what it was. They're like, mine, 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 mine. I, I got zero. I got none. I have to. I do have to just say one myth, and nobody will probably believe me. Um, and so I think this will be the first time I've ever said it publicly or like documented. Mm. Boom striking has absolutely nothing to do with flexible blades. I think it would be probably your dampers, if anything. Dampers and gyro grates. It actually has nothing to do with soft dampers either. Really? It has More to do. A, it has to do with you the width. that shit. It has to do with the width of the rotor head, and the and the OD of where the head axle sits in. A boom strike is caused basically by a quick mass bump. So it's when the head axle bounces off the inside of the head block. Ooh, what? Or, or it, it might not bounce off the inside of the head block. It's when the dampener reaches its highest compress. So, for example, if it reaches a compressed state that it can't compress anymore, when it bounces off and ricochets off, that's when it boom strikes. So you're saying, okay. So it's pivoting to one side more, and it's to its maximum compression of the of the uh, damper. So it's leaning too much to one side to its maximum potential. Yes. Well, no, it's it's when it ricochets off. Okay, so when it bounces off, then it's on it's on the bounce off. So when it it snaps. Okay. Hits that like basically when it hits that non-compressible point, it can't go anywhere. What's it going to do? It's going to bounce. It's going to bounce back. It's going to spring back. And boom strikes. So the it, it, it's basically it's kind of like you're tensioning the spring, and it spring loads it, and that much force just creates a big dip. Yep. Wow. Oh boy. I've done a couple of those. <laughs> so that's usually so if if the reason why it, it's not coning or, or it's not you know the blades flexing, um, rotational mass is is slinging the blades outward. So it actually yes. take an, it would take an incredible amount of force for them to bend that low in line with That's the axle mm-hmm. while they're spun out to actually flex down into the boom. That's why if you notice when they boom strike, the, the dent is like six inches further than the tip forward. Yeah, it's it's closer to the center of the helicopter. Like it, yeah. it hit a leading edge, not the rotor tip. Yeah. That's why in heli- in, in full-scale helicopters, if you ever hear the term mass bump, Yep. Basically, you just see the full-scale helicopter explode. That's that's a boom strike in a helicopter, an RC helicopter. Yeah. You want to chop your boom mast off? That's how you do it. Well, I chopped it completely off at Urcha 2017. Completely <laughs> off. The tail section was good. Talking about the shaggy, I'm talking like cutting your mast off the helicopter. If you guys are really interested in, in rotor blades, um, you need to get a rotor pro. Do you have one of those? Uh, the call thing? No, I don't. And Miniature started making them again. 
That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, they started yeah. making them again. I'm going to be yeah. a writer live. If you want one, let me know. I'll get you one while I'm there. Uh, this is, is it cheaper? <laughs> I don't know how much they are. I Wait, actually, what is this? The Cole Rotor Pro is a very nice balancing that will help you determine cord-wise CG. And I actually have some of the parts. I have a Cole Rotor Pro. I have some of the parts, not all of it. I'm missing the long rod and uh, and and the instructions. I've actually found the instructions. I have no idea how to use this thing competently, though. You don't need the long rod. Okay. You can fight as long as you're not. You don't need a long rod if you're just doing comparison to comparison. What's the long rod do? Shit, I can't even remember. <laughs> Guess you don't need it. <laughs> well, that kind of cements that comment. Um, I think it had some, it had something to do with if um, I think it was for cord wise CG if the stuff if it wasn't leading edge heavy enough it was like a I don't know, I, shit I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I, uh, a friend of mine traded me for some work I did, and I have a cold order pro. Um, is old as hell and is grungy. You you can also just take blades and put them at a forty five, and and if you draw the line where they're balancing when they're tilted at a forty five, and then cross the and then the two lines will cross, so it'll make an X. That center point that's where the spanwise CG and the cordwise CG is. I'm trying to draw this in my head, and it's not drawing out very well. So if you take, say you take something and you balance it at a 45, so it balances, say you even just take an envelope and put it on your hand, and then you draw a line where it's balancing on your hand, and then you turn it 45 degrees and balance it the exact same way going, I'm sorry, you turn it 90 degrees, not 45. You, you turn the blade 45 to like parallel to the way that it runs, but, and then rotate it 90 degrees to the other 45, and then you draw an X on it. And then when you combine the two lines, you draw an X, and where they intersect is your cord-wise and your spin-wise CG. Spin CG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I follow you. Okay. Um, and they move the weight around in order to change that spot, the lead weight that they play with, correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, how much does that lead weight usually weigh? Is it really incredibly heavy, or do they adjust it much, or just find standard chunk and move it around on the design? Uh, well, moving it, once you get the, the general weight that you think is what you're going for, like for rotational mass wise, then you just move it around in increments of an inch to get span wise. Um, cord wise, that's where the weight matters. So generally yeah. speaking, you can only push the weight so far forward, um, which that's when me and Vic, he, he started airfoiling the lead. So in the helix, the lead's actually airfoiled. <laughs> so it's all the way as forward as you can possibly go. Um, and then Dang. you move it as forward as possible, and then you change the amount to get the cordwise CG where you want it. And then once you get the cordwise CG and the just the general mass to where it's flying good, then you just move the spin wise in and out to change the control rates. Huh. On the helix, I know on the on the as you get towards the tip, the it starts um, the actual blade leads. Mm -hmm. Or is that the best word to use for that? Yeah, you know that that was that blue edge technology. That's where I had I had read up on that. Mm -hmm. For full scale blades, it's sound, so it's efficiency, right? Yeah. Um, on the RC side, the idea was leverage. So 
when it sweeps forward like that, not only do you have more room to put the lead further forward on the bolt hole without having this really thick blade, really, you know, cord wise, super wide blade, um, but also it acts as a big paddle out there. So it makes the blade more leady while the aerodynamics of it can still lag a little bit. So it's more stable. Hmm. So like a leading blade, you know, like I said, it's like a big paddle out there. So yeah. it tries to increase pitch as you increase incidence versus de-pitch by pressure on the trailing edge. Yeah. So that big thing up front there essentially acts as like a counterbalance on an airplane wing, which was the theory. Or on an air, uh, not a wing, on like a counterbalance on an elevator or rudder or aileron. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick, you were saying, I've heard you say that the uh, other blades have surpassed, uh, you know, that the Helix design has been surpassed. How do you, how do you think that the design has been surpassed? Uh, just for flight style and stuff like that. I think that the Helix was good for those years of kind of mixing in rotational stuff when you're flying fast. But now it's got so technical and stuff like on the deck technical that the blades are too slippery. Okay. And the new Helix, the ones that um, I've got now, have a different airfoil, real thick airfoil, like the like the Spin and what Curtis has had and what V-Blades had. Chaos. Yeah, okay. The, the, non, the elusive ones, the non-existent ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I get it. It's not, it's not a technology surpassed it. It's a style is, is demanding something different. Yeah, ah. yeah. There's no technology in anything new. It's just that the way that guys are flying now, it's more like stationary rotation and forward rotation. Oh, okay. Yeah, I follow you. So the reason the reason why is because the helicopters have more power. Yeah. So previously, when you're going faster, you get translational lift. So when you do aerobatics traveling, it will the helicopter will rotate faster. Yeah, you still had power. Everything was good. Yeah, yeah. Now you've got so much power with these electrics, you can do all that shit just standing in front of you. So the real, <laughs> <laughs> so they like the real draggy, bitey blades because you just power through it. Basically, okay, okay, I see. So th- that means the 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 C kind of like what you saw back then was you fly a very rich nitro, then you'll kind of see it. Yeah, yeah, basically. If you if your if your nitro helicopter is really rich and it's not making power, anything you do stationary will take a lot of power. So I tell right, you, right. everybody liked a real slippery fast blade, but now everybody's flying lower, and so they need a more grippy blade, like a fun fly airplane wing, yeah, uh, and draggy so that it doesn't. Because if you fly a slippery blade down low, you're more likely to crash. It's gonna sl- yeah you're gonna it's not gonna it, it was not gonna stop. Uh, it's not going to respond as quickly or is it just going to kind of blow past the maneuver that you're doing and not stop when you really want it to stop? Is that what you're saying? Uh, it might stop too much or it might go back too far or something. <laughs> okay. It's kind of more... Yeah. If you've got a real slippery blade, yeah, it's going to groove when you're moving somewhere, but when you move it, it's kind of it's harder to be as precise in a close box. Okay. So basically, you're trying to you're trying to grip a wet soap bar yeah yeah exactly just whoop there it goes when, yeah. when, you, when you have no power that's good because <laughs> it makes everything yeah. it, it rounds it out when you have no power it rounds it out yeah 
That's that's interesting. I, you know, it reminds me of another hobby I used to be really into, Nick, which is uh, bicycles. Mm-hmm. And um, as some people are aware of, there's a bicycle for pretty much every discipline. You can get road bicycles and and mountain bikes and downhill bikes and the weights are different. Their purpose is different, which is, you know, right now in the helicopter segment, we pretty much have speed birds, 3D birds, and, and F3C birds. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised we don't see more purpose built in some of these rotor blades and sold. I mean, granted, scale and cost is, is a huge thing as far as by scale, I mean, just what it costs to build build blades, especially purpose built stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, I can, I mean, I, and I hate to say this, but everything in life is driven by business because you have to have money to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. as the hobby shrinks, there's less variables or less variances you're going to find in the product because it's, you can't, you have to have some sort of profitability to even function. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes, it makes complete sense that, you know, if it's not going to sell, why are you making it? And that just like, if I guess if you're just personally rich, you could do something like that, but otherwise, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's um, the market size. So if you know, you're going to sell 150 blades a year and you have to work your development cost into that 150 sets. If you have one development cost, you can with 150 sets, pay it off faster. If you have yeah. three different rotor blades, but you're still only going to sell 150 of them. Ouch. <laughs> all of a sudden, Oh, I can't afford to do this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Huh. It sucks. And and that's one thing. And I hate to see the helicopter market die or is, you know, slow down. I really hate the idea of saying that it's dying because I don't think it is. Um, But it is in a slump right now. And, but all hobbies do it. I mean, big giant scale airplanes did it for a while there when foamies were popular. Everybody had foamies. They didn't have, you know, 35% airplanes. Yeah. Yeah, and now it's the other way around. I mean, there's no indoor events. Remember, I mean, years ago, indoor was a huge thing. Oh, there's tons of videos of like you yeah. and uh, Kyle Stacy uh, having fun with indoor events, and now you can't find one. Exactly, and you know it's not cost driven because that stuff was cheap. Yeah, to go to go build a foamy was 150 dollars, and now nobody does. In, there's no e fest anymore. There's no JR indoor. You know, so it's not a. It's just a trend. It just means the helicopters are just down right now. I was, you know, you get to see the numbers, and I, I, I agree with you. I can't. I have nothing to dispute that. Yeah, the numbers are down. I think the thing I noticed is that it's a very solid group. It's the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, attendance at events is. I don't know, like like spring fling up here. I mean, we've we've gotten great numbers, but it's pretty much the same people from up and down, you know, the northeast, and for some out west. Urcha, very much the same people, and it's it's uh you know people haven't left, still here. They enjoy the hobby and they enjoy seeing their friends and they're having fun. Yep. Um. Yeah, you wonder when the uptick will happen and new blood will start coming in. Yeah, new blood or just the same other guys. You know, for for very, very few people, this is their only hobby. Most people have several hobbies. Like for me instance, I like cars. So when I'm not doing helicopters, I'm playing with RC drift cars has been my latest thing. And then <laughs> I've got the real, you know, I'm a ricer guy. I like my Mitsubishi. Yeah. And so in my case, it's my profession. So I will always be doing it. In some in most people's cases, 
they're not, it's not their profession. So no, they're going to jump around with different hobbies. And I'll be entirely honest right now, the technology and some of the other hobbies is increasing rapidly. When our hobby, the technology was increasing rapidly in late, you know, early to er, early and late 2000s into the mid 2010s. Well, the technology is tapered off. So if you don't do this for a profession, you're still going to do it. You're just not going to do it as much. You're going to do other stuff that has cool new stuff too. You know, say, say you like fishing, you know, there's an app to, to tell you by GPS where the active fish are, you know, cause they can tell, <laughs> they can tell by the density of the water. Oh, there's a lot of fish over there. Yeah. Things that drag you in and excite you, bring back that energy for it. Yeah. So yeah. right now there's just other stuff doing cool stuff, using the technology, just like we did 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. There's, I, I, I would say I'm, I'm a outlier in that I pretty much have this hobby. I don't put much energy into others because I don't have a lot of time left in the day after work, school, kids, and school, uh, work, school, kids. Um, yeah, I, I agree though. I have had a few hobbies. I've had mountain biking and gaming, and I used to dabble with cars, but I can't afford that, so I stay away from it. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I hear you. <laughs> yeah, you know, people make fun of RC stuff, but it's not the it's not the cost of a new engine in a a Mitsubishi or a Camaro or a Corvette or something or turbos or yeah, that stuff gets expensive fast. Um, yeah. I think whenever I think I think whenever the day that they make a uh, a cold fusion helicopter, then people start coming back. <laughs> cold it's like this thing flies forever. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will Go ahead. And that's what it needs. I said, and that's just what it needs. It just needs the next technology jump. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, uh... I think the biggest thing is going to be the batteries. Like that's kind of our bottleneck right at the moment. Yep. Yeah. Uh, batteries and tuning. Tuning, I would say is, I would agree that's a bigger one because a lot of guys come in this hobby and after they figure out that they, they, they just can't do it, that kind of kills the excitement in my eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, yeah. I think, I think I think there's two different things. There's two different guys. There's a guy that likes to do the mechanic side of stuff, and they're yep. more of a builder than a flyer. And then there's the guys that are the flyers. And the builders, they're still here. They'll always be here. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's going to slow down because there's nothing new to really build. There's nothing new to try. Yeah. So previously, every every six months, there was a new gyro or there was a new firmware. Every month, week, there was a new firmware at times. Yep. Um, I mean, I'll be entirely honest. If this, was, if this wasn't my profession, I don't think helicopters would be my main hobby anymore. I would still do it. I would do it, but not at the capacity of... Yeah, what you do. Yeah. I, I, yeah, because I did, I did RC cars before I came over to helicopters and... Um, mm -hmm. I did 10 scale, uh, off-road, um, two wheel drive. And then also in the wintertime, Kyosho mini Z's, that was, that was my thing. I yep. had a lot of fun uh -huh. doing it. Um, yeah. I, you ever played with Kyosho mini Z's? Uh, actually just recently. Yeah. Cause our new seven, our seven PX binds to it, but does it not much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I was playing with the kill Propo radio. Um, what was it? The mm -hmm. Horus, I think is the name. Yeah, no. Have, have you seen um, Have you seen a race series called HFA? It's H F A Y. How fast are you? Oh no! Yeah, they have a. 
it's around the world and they set up a whole thing of racing so like uh, 11 months out of the year they give a layout and then people in various areas get together and race that layout and post their times so that everyone is racing on the same thing around the world and can show how fast they are um and then towards the end of the year yeah you got you can figure out you know how fast are you are you are you the best at mini z's or what um it's pretty fun uh, lap times are insane because the track they're racing that on was uh fits in a 20 by 20 room well, cool. Well, if you ever, I mean, I would be happy to be back on anytime that there seems to be some topic I might be able to. Yeah. Um, I might, I might screw it up for you. I don't know. It sounds like I ruined your, your blade theories. Well, I learned and I think that's a value. That, um, that's the whole point of this. That, yeah. that, I learned a lot too. Um, <laughs> I might be completely wrong. That's just my theory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Great. Well, and theories, theories are made to be tested, and that's where you get into scientific theory if, you know, you test it and repeat and test, repeat. Um, but I, I think the big thing is what I learned, and I think the more challenging part, Nick, is you could put this together in a cohesive thought. Uh-huh. I think that's going to be the bigger challenge of this episode. So it was real great having Nick Maxwell on the show. Um <laughs> a lot of what he said uh you know really really uh took me back um and that uh, i had to think about some of the things I, I know and it reminds me of some of the things i do know but i don't always think about when I think about rotor blades dude it uh, was it was insane the fact that you know you tell me all this kind of stuff and, and it fascinates me you know so it doesn't surprise me that i get fascinated by the knowledge of this stuff but when i hear you fascinated about it it's like wait what you didn't know about this so <laughs> it, it actually it, it this means something <laughs> yeah uh, it's it, um i enjoy learning and so it was it was fun to be able to uh to ask nick's question ask nick questions and get deeper into it oh um, yeah if you'd like to contact nick uh you can reach him at his uh, work email address which is uh N Maxwell at Fataba.com. It's the that's his email address where he gets an email app. He's not a big uh, not a big on Facebook, so email is really great. Uh, so that's how to contact him. Um, you know, last on closeout here is please comment on iTunes and Podbean. Help fathers find the show. Um, if you have any ideas or anything, uh, make sure and get us uh, some email. Uh, love hearing from the listeners. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep, yep, definitely like those comments and so they kind of see if uh, you know, keeps us in line and see if we're uh, how how poorly we're doing or 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 mediocre we're doing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun listening to like uh, Bert and Kyle on the BK podcast. They they talk about you know like hey, I don't hear from anyone. Yeah, that's one of the interesting things about podcasting is you all enjoy listening to shows. We don't hear from you often. I do hear from you on the fields though, so you know, uh, continue. Uh, Introduce yourself and say hi if, uh, if, if you're looking, if you find me at a field. Speaking of finding us at a field, uh, you know, we have the 2019 Heli calendar up. It's on our Google page. You can find the link on our Facebook page. Um, just search Facebook for Telerotor RC podcast and you should find it. But uh, upcoming Heli events we're attending is uh, Heli Spring Fling in the beginning of May. All three of us uh, should be there. Mike should. Yeah. I mean, if Mike doesn't go there, there's something clearly wrong with him, and we need to beat him with a stick because he lives there right uh, now. Oh, I, 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 I know one reason why he wouldn't be, but I'll get into that right now. 
Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Hilly domination. Uh, that's in Virginia as well. In the middle of May, May seventeenth to nineteenth. Uh, I know I'll likely be there. Uh, Dragonfly, which is in uh, North Carolina, June twenty first through the twenty third. That's an event I thoroughly enjoy. Um, Mid Atlantic Heli Championships, which uh, this year I'm taking North Carolina. That'll be June twenty eighth through the twenty ninth. I might the- attend. Robert might even attend that one. Uh, I might attend it. <laughs> <laughs> AMA Heli Nationals, 2019 Heli Nationals is July 20th through the 23rd, which leads us uh, directly in the Urcha Jamboree, 2019, same field and all, July 24th through the 28th. And then after the Jamboree is the Fall Heli Mowdown in September, uh, September 27th through the 29th. And Heli Extravaganza uh, down in South Carolina, October 9th through the 13th. Very nice. And sometime soon, I'm hoping we add dates for the RC Heli Nation fun fly that uh, Shaggy's probably trying to buy plane tickets for right now. <laughs> uh, Justin, I need the dates. Tell me the dates. Got to book the flight. <laughs> yep. And um, That's a fun event. If if you all have events, you want to see them on our calendar, I can add them to the other, other events portion of the calendar for events we may not make it to. Or if you think we are, we could make it to it. You know, we'll put it on the places we're going. So... If you got an event, send it to me, and I'll get it on the calendar. And if we're going to it, I'll mention it on the show as uh, somewhere you can find us. Right on. Uh, well, all right. Uh, well, I guess that's about else, it. Shaggy? Yeah. Nope. All well, right. Well, uh, I will say thank you, all listeners, for uh, Mike DePaulo, and uh, you know, for myself, uh, thank you, everyone, and I hope to see you on the field. All right. See you later, guys. Thank you. Let me smash. Let me smash. Goblin puddle. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's going to need some vinyl for that one. Thank you everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode as we enjoyed taking the time to make them. If you have any questions regarding the show, such as future topics, events, or anything else, you can send us an email at Telerotor at gmail.com or on Facebook search Telerotor thanks again and we'll see you on the field welcome to the bloopers for this episode We recommend you listen to them in private as the audio is loud and the subject matter a bit sophomoric. Enjoy. Robert's laughing. You know it's bad. Let's just say I love my job, but my manager is more of a douchebag than Rob is. (laughs) (laughs) At least Robert's funny. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 5825. That's a huge can. They're probably doing outer dimensions, though. Yeah. You're a can. Why, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) oh i cannot i just refuse you remember uh you remember uh tim childers yeah oh yeah i haven't seen him in a long time yeah how is he do you know i have no idea i should Uh, probably call him been a long time since i've seen him he's a nice guy nice guy you're right Crazy guy, weird guy, but nice. It's going to be you when you're older.
Probably, actually, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> I am going to agree with that. Oh, f I have no shame for that. No shame at all. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> oh, how'd it go? It went really well. Uh, the 50 mile an hour wind that was constant at, the, at, at, my, at my school field was... What the hell? This YouTube link appeared in the middle of my screen! God, are you talking to me? Oh, this f bird. Bird. Heck, you let me smash. <laughs> I know that. Yes, I've seen that. Let, let me smash. <laughs> you also <laughs> I've seen that. It's terrible. I, 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 have, I have totally yelled nice that while flying a heli when I get in close. I like Freaking, uh, sticks. Oh god, Death Pilot. I forgot his name. Death Pilot was I right like next to the Dillman. <laughs> yelled out, Please. you want some No, Ron. <laughs> Go find Becky. You want some oh, No, Ron. I don't want some Got your blue. Hey, girl. So you bad. want some tail? I'm like, yo, man, you want some Ron, <laughs> your tail is small. Swiggity sweetie. <laughs> you want yellow. She doesn't want yellow, blue, and yellow. No. Ron, I'm leaving. What? No. Wait, let me smash. What's my life come to? Becky thought my tail was big. Becky used a let me smash, but Becky is smashing Ben. Ben is a hoe. Ben is a hoe. This next. Ben. I need you, Becky. Becky, let me smash. I'ma get that bitch's stick. Bitch's love stick. Becky. Wrong stick, stick, stick. Need stick, got stick, Becky. I got stick, let me smash. Becky, I got stick. <laughs> well, my life is a little bit different now. <laughs> you, you watched it too? Sadly. <laughs> it's been a while since I've seen that. It's so stupid. It could have been much longer whiles. Now it needs to, it need, they need to make one with the, the one bird that has the fancy tail. Shut up. No, they need to make one with an aligned vacuum cleaner. No. Yes. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 Hey, you don't <laughs> Let bring me it smash. up. <laughs> I'm on hold with the other ones, and Nick is doing a video call. Nick, you there? Uh -oh. Yeah. What do I need to do? <laughs> I seen your name pop up, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back, and I'll end this call, go back and Skype, and I'll add you to the voice call. Oh, so, it's a voice thing, not a video thing? Correct. Oh, okay. What happens if I hit this heart? If you hit... Oh, Ah, I never used I never used Skype on my phone before. Wee. Oh. Okay, I haven't used Skype for video. Is that he's threatening me? I want more. Can I scroll? Oh no. Okay, you. We're just gonna cry again. Okay, I'll okay. call you back. Okay, bye. It's been a while since I've seen that. It's so stupid. It could have been much longer whiles. Now it needs to, it need, they need to make one with the, the one bird that has the fancy tail. Shut up. No, they need to make one with an aligned vacuum cleaner. No. Yes. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Hey, you don't <laughs> Let bring me it smash. up. Let me smash. No, 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 Anytime would be good. Right now would be good. Can't help you now. Hey, Mike. 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 Be yeah. like, let me smash. Leroy Jenkins. <laughs>
<laughs> That's all you're gonna hear. Oh no! <laughs> hey Nick, are you there? Yeah. Cool. Holy <laughs> shit! Oh, oh my gosh! Fifty-five freaking minutes. Woo! <laughs> Someone muted a microphone. Oh shit! I muted Robert. <laughs> you muted yourself because I can. <laughs> I can how, how do you get him back? Can you hear me? Well, first, you got to buy him flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I tap uh, on him and he's not. <laughs> like, um. I can unmute myself. <laughs> ah! What the hell? Hey, Monty. <laughs> Guys, guys, you talk with Nick. Did I just get fired from a podcast? I helped start. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm so sorry. sorry. I did did that. That's my bad. I mean, first he muted it and he was like, I still hate him. And they said, (laughs) Nick, Nick, it's about damn time someone does that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Um, Oh, come on. <laughs> Rob, did that screw in your back? Did that screw up the recording, or is it, or is it still good? I have no idea. Ah, oh, shit. sorry, did I mess that up? <laughs> no, it's it's recording Oops. the app. And it the should app be. Hasn't it should be still recording in background, no matter what happens. We're drinking beer for this. Blade characteristics. Oh, blade. Flexible, oh, oh. span wise, damn. Huh. <laughs> KBDDs. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Um, they hmm. got some bend. Can I hear a boom strike? I got a butane torch. We're melting this motherfucker <laughs> to the ground. Get out the video camera. It's going down live. <laughs> I'm Michael Parker, and I'm flying the new goblin puddle. <laughs> I need a spatula so I can get it off this table. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. <laughs> Hey man, I'm gonna throw a thousand bucks on that new soldering station. We gotta make sure that heat gun works. <laughs> oh, I should have blowed them all when you start it. Not before yeah. we've put it on fire and you create a puddle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got a new name for your goblin fireball puddle. Gob- the goblin puddle. He's <laughs> <laughs> a vinyl for that thing. That's what I'm saying. It's a decal puddle. It needs a decal puddle. <laughs> Where's Puddle? Oh, no, anyway, no. when that, when so that heat we, gun shows up, I'm I'm coming near that heli. As <laughs> one one kilowatt of heat, we gotta see how good it really is. Kilowatt, damn yeah, man! Oh my gosh, dude! What are you trying to burn? Microglows? <laughs> I got impatient. <laughs> <laughs> Takes too damn long to put parts in these things. I'm like, I need a blowtorch. That was, that was the wrong answer to Apollo. What are you trying to burn? Fireballs. <laughs> well, I mean, that's just a no, test. It's called quality the, assurance. The Apollo, you just got to come to my house, go in the downstairs in the basement near the wood stove when that thing's cranking, and just right on, just set it right there and set all your components. Three seconds later, it's all welded on or all soldered on. Done. We're talking about the fireball in the fireplace. Blades. We need to talk about blades now. I'm sure Nick's got other things to do. Yeah, we might be. Tr- I'm actually doing. I'm actually flying, flying on the simulator while y'all are talking. That's the right answer. That is the right answer. Oh, I, mean, I, I am, got am things I flying. 
I'm I was a little worried you were hearing the sticks go back and forth. <laughs> I I heard keyboard a little bit. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Okay, real quick. Sorry to cut in. Skype completely shut down on the computer. I in, uninstalled it, reinstalled it. Still having problems. My cell phone right now is saying, unfortunately, Skype has stopped. If I hit OK, it's going to cut me off. What <laughs> is up? What is uh, up with this crap? I don't know. I don't, uh, your internet service. You I'm using technology. my data plan. Impossible. And now, what the fudge? My computer. There we go. Now my computer's recording. I'm having problems. Why? I really Clearly. want to be part of this. <laughs> oh, I, I think we're going to be listening so, to this episode a couple times over in editing, Shaggy. Dude, Skype just hates me so much. <laughs> well, that, of course. We knew that part. I'm never using... After this, no, not using Skype anymore. Nick comes back, we're all using Discord. <laughs> Discord for days, nope. I'm going to take a CO2 to Mike's camper and just shoot him with it. Huh? CO2 extinguisher. Mike lives in a camper on the field. It's awesome. Wait. <laughs> hold on. This is the most redneck, <laughs> fabulous thing ever. So right now, you are in a camper at a flying field. Oh, big ass one. Hell yeah. That thing that you brought to Urcha? No, no. Way better than that. Oh, okay. It's things like it, a it's like a thirty five slope with a pop out and everything. Does it? It's a big one. Does it have running water? Hell yeah, it does. I got full hookups. Okay, so you don't have to take like a two minute shower. No. Okay. No. Nah. You just go over to the you just go over to the showers, don't you? Uh, sometimes. Otherwise, it's just the one that's in here. I don't know, man. You got a heater like in your bathroom. I'm pretty sure you step out and electrocute yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so heaters. He's got heaters all over the place. Yeah. So wait a second. Okay, I, I'm still grasp, grasping. So you live in a camper. So basically, what happened was <laughs> he lives in a camper <laughs> down by the river. Down by the river. <laughs> Don't forget that part. I'm speaking the truth. That's all. You're the one with the dirty minds. <sighs> yes, that I is true. Deny that. <laughs>